When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. podcast. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. This is Dr. Charles Laux, and really excited. It's been uh, a few weeks since our last podcast because things have been busy. Uh, we've had, I've had uh, our orchestra large group performance evaluation or festival or whatever you want to call it. Um, I had that last week. It took my four orchestras. They did very well, and um, I am Really glad now that that is behind me, but we have an awesome guest today, uh, and I wanted to uh, welcome um, Mr. Ryan Silvestri, and hopefully soon to be Dr. Silvestri. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for being here on the Orchestra Teacher Podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to talk with you. Uh, Ryan, tell us, uh, you are at Wando High School in uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, uh, and you've been there for a while. How long have you been uh, in South Carolina or, or Mount Pleasant? Yeah, so I actually um, started my teaching career. This is year 12 for me at Wando, and I started year one in the classroom here um, straight out of my master's degree. So I did my undergrad at Florida State and graduated there in 2009, and then I did a master's degree at UNC Greensboro in, Got it. Okay. There in 2012, and then moved here straight from grad school and just kind of, yeah, grew, grew the program here and just, we settled in and love the school, love the community. So it's kind of become home. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I I had moved to Atlanta in 2012, but I think we had talked about that. We both started that different, that new part of our, our career or you started your career um, in the same year. So yeah, very cool. It's hard to believe it's been that long. <laughs> I know it's, 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 it's like a different lifetime. And I've since moving here, my wife and I had just gotten married and now we have four kids of our own. And you so have four. Like, yeah, we have. Four. Wow, I didn't. I guess I missed. I missed. Uh, I missed one or two. <laughs> I yeah, didn't, so. yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. How old are they? Um, eight, six, four, and two. So we have. You are a busy man. We are. So I drop <laughs> the older three off at school, and then come to school and do my thing. So. Wow, that's great. So, um, and tell us about your program at at Wando. Um, uh, how many orchestras you have, and your schedule, kind of. Right. So when I when I first started here, I had two orchestras, and I also taught guitar. Um, I had a two block classes of guitar, actually a block, and then two orchestra classes. And then for a year, I taught AP Music Theory. And then as the program grew, um, I went to just orchestra all day. So I have three levels of orchestra, and we're on kind of a modified block schedule. Okay. So we have um, block classes, but we also have uh, each block divided into two periods. So I have um, two block classes of kind of my 
freshman sophomore orchestra. So I see each of them for 90 minutes a day. Okay. Then I have my upper two groups are skinnies that meet um, every all, Yeah, they skinny. So they meet <laughs> all year for 45 minutes. So it works out. It's a little bit strange. Um, yeah. But it really helps as kids progress through the school. They can still do orchestra and do all the AP classes and other electives. So it's, I've never, you know, this is the schedule I've started my career on, but I've never known anything different, but it seems to work pretty well. Yeah. The only yeah. challenge is maybe those kids, like at, once they're in freshman, if they audition for the upper groups, but maybe they don't are quite ready for it. Yeah. So that's where their schedules can get tricky. Where as a sophomore, if they don't get into that skinny class it can kind of create some issues, but okay. overall it works pretty well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, there's always so many, uh, as we were talking a little bit about uh, in the last interview uh, about um, schedule conflicts and trying to get yeah, sometimes you have to be creative uh, on these things. I know I have a lot of kids that don't eat lunch, and they I, so I let them eat lunch in my class because, like I said, I'd rather have them in my class than, uh, you know, not at all. So I'd rather have them eating and in my class than not there. So, well, very cool. And then, uh, uh, so tell us a little bit about your your dissertation. You're doing it. Uh, what what university? So yeah, I'm doing a um, bachelor's of music education, or sorry, doctoral music <laughs> education degree. Um, it's through Liberty University okay. in Virginia, and it's it's all online. Great. Um, and to be honest, when I started the degree, I was a little skeptical. It's not really a plug for Liberty, but I was like, oh, online, I wasn't really sure, but it's been great. I've um, learned a lot, lots of writing, lots of research. Um, yeah. There's, you know, I feel like this degree 10 years ago might not have been possible. Like I can get so many resources online in terms mm -hmm. of articles and scholarly journals. Um, so that's been a good experience. It has been, you know, with four children and a full-time job. And I, I perform a lot as well. Like, you know, yeah, I, you're, <laughs> I, yeah. I drink a lot of coffee, um, yep. but yeah, you know, it's, the end is in sight, which is good. Well, that's um, good. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember writing mine and um, I hit, you know, the, the young boys and their, you know, baseball and, and everything that we did. And it was just, it was uh, the time that I wrote was three thirty AM. I would get up that early and do that. So I, I feel, I feel for you. Um, but when it is done, you're going to be super happy and um, obviously get reap all those rewards for, for um, getting that done. So, so tell us about your topic um, as much as you can tell us. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my topic is um, I'm doing an applied research study um, on um, improving recruiting practices of high school orchestra directors using um, what's called basic psychological needs theory. Um, so it's a subset of another kind of motivational theory called self-determination theory. And what it proposes is that all humans have kind of like we have the needs for food and water. We have these three psychological needs for competence, relatedness, and autonomy. Okay. Um, and I kind of came across it through my research because as a high school director, I feel like we're Every, all of us need to recruit, whether you teach elementary strings, middle school, high school. Mm -hmm. But I feel like at the high school level, we have a little bit of a, you know, a handicap in that, you know, my colleagues at the middle school, they can recruit any of the fifth graders. You know, they can go and they have almost, you know, unlimited or at least as big as the fifth grade class for the amount of students they have. But for us, it's really only those eighth graders who play strings. Now, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a few minutes ago, there are other ways, a few kids here and there, but not enough to build a program. So right. as high school directors, it's really important. And as I was doing my research throughout this degree, every study I'd read about, like, why do kids continue? Like the kids who are already in our programs, what does the research say about it? And those, if those needs are met, the competence relatedness autonomy, and they're, not mutually exclusive. They all kind of have to work together. Um, study after study kind of found that they will continue in your program. So okay. if they feel like they're successful, 
Um, they have good relationships with you, with their mm -hmm. peers. Um, and the autonomy is where they want to have a voice in their program. Is it, you know, do they have a little bit of influence or they have a say maybe even in repertoire? Or I even found for the autonomy, you know, I know my students, you know, maybe yours do, they don't love technique time, right? When we get the method book <laughs> out. But if they have an understanding of why we do it and like yeah. why I'm asking them to sight read and do a scale or do a shifting exercise, they'll, you know, have a little more ownership of what they're doing. So yeah. if those needs are met, they'll stay. And so what I'm kind of looking at for my dissertation is how do we communicate that to our you know, the eighth grade students that are coming to them? How do we show that our programs meet those needs and kind of how, you know, how can we improve that practice? That's so important because if we don't have students, then we don't, you know, yeah, there's I mean, a lot of factors that affect, you know, not only ensemble balance, like I will talk about my MEA performance later, but that was a great group. I had 12 first, 12 seconds, three violas, 15 cellos and two bases. <laughs> so, and granted, thankfully yeah. they were like all state violas. So they were great. They and can play they, out. Yeah. Yeah. They could play out, but you know, recruiting is, because of that and then also schedules so like as i mentioned when i started at wando i taught guitar and not my favorite but i i, I enjoyed it it was a different part mm -hmm. of the school that i get to see kids i wouldn't otherwise um i didn't mind teaching music theory that was you know it's a lot of work you got a grade i had yeah. 24 kids in my ap theory class Whoa. so yeah it was it was kind of a dumping ground at the time for kids who had a hole in their schedule big class. um yeah. but you know so with recruiting now now i'm able to teach orchestra all day which is great and then you know lots of us have you know whether you're trying to get an assistant or keep your job you know there's just so many aspects that you know it, it affects a lot of what we do as elective teachers so that's kind of why i wanted to look at that in my this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, that's, yeah a, that's a great topic. And, and uh, it's always uh, something that every teacher is kind of thinking about, like you said, because there's, it's either going to be, do I, I, I want to build my program or I want to keep my job or I need to get that assistant. You know, that's, you know, uh, that's what, that I'm hoping for in the next, you know, so many years is that um, I, my feeders are just uh, so great, so great. And there's a lot of kids and what's that tipping point of what do I need to get that assistant, you know, and there's no magic number in my district, but you know, that's, that's kind of, something that I would like to have. And I've never had an assistant before. So um, it would be really kind of cool just to be able to work with somebody else on a, sure. on a daily basis. Yeah. So this is very, very, very cool. Um, and then, so you're looking to complete this this semester or next semester? Yeah. So um, hopefully this semester, um, I had a survey <laughs> I was doing. So if you are a string teacher, you maybe saw that. I put it on my Facebook page. I sent out some emails and I put it on the school orchestra and string teachers page that Dr. Barnes runs from USC. Um, so I got a good number of responses from that. So I'm kind of working on analyzing that data. And then I'm doing some interviews with and a document analysis, kind of, um, you know, finding recruiting material that people use and kind of putting that all together to see 
um, what can be most effective for teachers. That's going to be a great, uh, great study and uh, very applicable. Um, that's what, that's my favorite type of research to read. It's like, how is it going to, how is it going to impact me and other teachers in our profession? And there's a lot of great studies out there, but some of them are like so specific into, you know, vibrato wavelengths or whatever it might be. And not to say that that's not a great topic, but something that really will, um, that we can use and, um, and, uh, learn from. So right. I, I love that. I love that. Um, and then uh, tell us, uh, you just you just came off of a very big weekend professionally with uh, a present your first presentation that you said that you've done, um, and I heard everybody said it on Facebook at least. As everybody said it went great, and then your your uh, performance at um, at your MEA. So tell us uh, about your you know preparing for that and and how uh, you know how, how why did you decide to fi- finally um, you know present a proposal and and do it like what what made you do it because you've been teaching twelve years. You know, and you've you've had a lot of accolades. What what took you so long? <laughs> yeah, I guess for the uh, for the proposal for the session. So yeah. my session was called "Bridging the Gap Between Middle and High School Orchestra." Perfect. Kind of like a framework. So I kind of incorporated my research yeah. kind of for that. Um, so I, I started by talking about you know the recruiting, uh, the retention first, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the when we look at recruiting, it's doesn't it shouldn't be isolated from what we do every day. Um, and yeah. as I was reading a a uh, literature review, uh, there was this quote that said something like, every decision that we make as a teacher can impact retention. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's, you know, how you interact with the students, like I greet mine at the door, there's a program called Capturing Kids Hearts where you shake their hands. And so I actually love it though. I get to know them. I can kind of read them. Yeah. Um, yeah. They can read me and we kind of just welcome them to the classroom. Um, the music you pick, the, you know, that's a whole nother study repertoire. Like, you know, you don't want to be too, <laughs> too easy where they're bored, too hard where they're frustrated. They have to like it. Um, you know, how many rehearsals you have, when your concert is, when your trip is, all those, you know, all those little things, everything we do can impact um, retention and just different ways. So I started by talking about, you know, competence, like no matter what we talk about with with recruiting, kids want to be successful. So eventually, you know, they might stick around for a few years, even into high school, if they're not successful musically, because they have friends, they like the teacher, they like the trips, but at some point, you know, they might realize, hey, I'm not great at this. So we need as teachers to find ways to help the students at the top, our all-state, you know, bass player in the back who can read everything on day one <laughs> versus, you know, yeah. the violinist in the back who's struggling with the F naturals on the E string. Right. Um, so that's so important. The relatedness, making sure, um, you know, all the things we do, let's said greeting them at the door, those interpersonal relationships with the students, with you. Mm-hmm. We all go on, a lot of us go on trips and I always tell, you know, I tell my, I tell my parents, I tell my students, you know, we don't, I don't do those trips to sleep better at night. Um, because it's taking, you know, yeah. 50, hundred high school kids across state lines overnight. You know, it's not something Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy them. I usually have a great time, oh, yeah. but it's, it's not low stress in that no. way. Um, no. but it's great because there's always those kids and, you know, we're all in the midst of festival season. And I always say that I don't, I don't really ask my students at this point, are you planning to continue next year? I wait till after the trip and we've had a successful yeah. CPA and then we go on the trip and have fun. And then usually, you know, that does it. Important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've had so, I've had some students change their minds. Like we'll do it earlier, and then um, I had one particular um, thinking about uh, after a spring concert. We had a really fun spring concert. We did you know movie music and pop rock and all kinds of things. And 
She's like, Dr. Laux, is it too late to change my mind? I'm like, no, it's yeah, never yeah, too late. <laughs> so that, that's just like, okay, I got gotcha. you. Like that, that, that makes me so happy when that happens. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, I started and talked about the retention and then I kind of used some of what I'm assuming my study will be. And so I guess, you know, it took me so long. I just kind of felt like I had that, you know, the confidence and the mm -hmm. research to back it up. A lot of the things as I was doing my research on recruiting and retention, it would, you know, um, confirm things that we, I found in the classroom. They're like, well, for me, this works really well. And then you re research to back it up and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's why, why. So yeah. I yeah. figure I have a, I have a better understanding of why it works now. And so that was, it's yeah, just, it's was. not just anecdotal and now it's like, right, okay, exactly. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. And then, um, your performance, you took your top ensemble, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and so that was a, obviously a apply and you got accepted. Uh, tell us what you performed. If you, I, I, know, uh, I, I always put people on the spot and they're like, I forget. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, it was really recent enough. So we opened yeah. with um, actually just a real short little piece called The Sleigh by Richard Kuntz. Oh, um, don't know that. It's actually a, a choral piece that they transcribe for strings, but it's just kind of fast and flashy, kind of a good opener. Um, then we did the, the Greek Ace's Death second. Um, which Great. kind of sounds a little more of it. It was actually probably my favorite piece they did. They, I, I feel like one of the things I teach well um, is tone and just control, and I feel like they did a great job of that one. So that was a we lot could of fun. talk about and some of the middle. some of the strategies you use to teach that. I would love to hear yeah, some of the things sure. you do. Um, and then in the middle, we did the last movement, the Kubiai Congo from the William Grant Sill Dante oh. de Panama, mm -hmm. um, which was a lot of fun. That was. Um, it, that was the first time I had taught that piece. And so we started that one in the fall and it, it's a great piece, a lot of fun. It, they did, they did it well, but it was, it's very rhythmically challenging and there's just lots of intricacies in getting that together. So that yeah. was probably our most challenging piece um, ensemble wise. Um, then we did the uh, an arrangement, not arrangement. I forget who did it, but the Andante Cantabile from the Tchaikovsky string quartet. Great. Um, so there's a, string orchestra version of that and then there's a really cool new um michael hopkins arrangement of rhapsody in blue so we closed oh, with that I, oh I have yeah. seen that yeah yes. i was at a reading session at asta last year and we had done that and it was it was a really cool arrangement and um my program kind of has a little and i told michael this at a session when i went to one of his at asta that um when i started here uh, my first year we were on the podium you know getting ready for the winter concert just kind of sight reading music pulling stuff from the library and the kids were like hey why don't we do carol the bells i'm like do we have it because it was my first year i didn't know the whole library They're like yeah we do so i yeah. stopped class and i went back to open the cabinet and i'm like well and we always kind of mark down when we perform things just mm -hmm. so i know and for record's sake yeah well, if you guys did this last year they're like it's okay we love it and so i brought it out and they already knew it and they liked it so we did it and I, this is year 12 at wando i think we've done that hopkins carol the bells like nine years I've, since i've been here just it's a good crowd pleaser it, i've done it with, great it's a perfect arrangement you know yeah uh, it's a lot of fun i've done it with all different i've done it with the whole program i've done yeah. it with one group two groups so it's and and it, I think, a lot to teach in there too and so. i think mike had said that's like the number one seller of all his all of his pieces <laughs> right yeah i went to a session he said of everything that he's done that carol the bells is his best so. yeah that's fantastic well it's a great program uh, yeah it was it was yeah. good and i i tell the students and you know it's true that when I applied for something like this, I found that I we did a conference performance back in 2017. Okay. And then the year after that, in 2018, we applied and did the ASTA NOF. Oh, that, and okay. I feel like those two years were when I saw the most growth in my program, like just in terms of musical ability and right. size. And well, just, you're shooting for that goal, you know, and, and right. uh, pushing the kids that next level. 
Right, because we're all so, you know, we all kind of get ready for that fall concert. Then after that, you scramble, get something together for the winter concert. Then you get CPA. So it's really good for the kids and for myself to have, you know, we did half of the program in the fall. We did the Aces Death and the Cumbia yeah. um, in the fall. and then You, we have, had to, it. you have to. I mean, you can't put it right. all together. Yeah. yeah, and then we did the other half on the winter concert. And then we have a weird schedule here where we didn't finish second semester, I think, until, I don't know, January 18th or something oh, okay. like that. Okay, you come back and do a couple um, weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so we came back and just kind of we didn't learn anything new after winter break. We just kind of polished all you know all five pieces and yeah. put it together. But it's great for the kids too. You know, I tell them like in the real world, you play pieces more than once. Like you're gonna play Dvorak nine more than one time. Uh, yeah. And there's you know every time you play it, it'll get a little more comfortable. You'll live with it. You can do more musically because the technique gets more comfortable. So yeah, um, it's a great. It was a good goal for the students to have. I think they were proud of it as well. And you know, and you you get a little publicity too, which is great. Yeah. I have um, wonderful band and uh, choir programs at my school, which is great, but you know, this, the orchestra gets overshadowed a little bit at times. So it's okay. good to put them out there and kind of see that they're, they're rocking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Congrats to you and your students uh, for that performance. And I wish, you know, wish I could have been there to hear it. So Thank you. Thank you. yeah, S, S, uh, South Carolina MEA is fun. Uh, I was there, I think 2015, it's been a little while now, but okay. it's a great, great conference. Back, so. yeah, yeah, that would be super fun. <laughs> <laughs> be super fun. Well, that is awesome. And then, um, to so tell us, uh, we had talked, you had mentioned the, that you, that you thought that you, that you enjoyed teaching tone and, and that kind of thing. Tell us some of the, um, maybe some of the strategies that you use or some of the ways you go about, um, thinking about that and teaching that. Yeah, so I guess kind of there's like the more nuts and bolts. I start almost every class and all really all levels of my orchestras, um, whether it's my freshman or my top group, I will do just like a, a rote scale warm up with a um, just like a D scale. I, I use Chris Selby's Habits books. Yeah, but great even book. before that, I would do. Yeah. And so he has in the beginning, it's a one octave D scale with an E at the top just because it works mm -hmm. out well. for. And so I'll give them a pattern. Sometimes I go methodically through the book and be like, we're going to do eighth notes and triplets and sixteenths. Yeah. But then I'll a lot of times just use kind of rhythmic patterns from our music that we're working on. And so they can not worry about the left hand and just working on that. that. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. And so I like to start with that right hand just for a, for the rhythmic development of the ensemble, but also their tone, just really, you know, those three bow variables, we talk about the weight, speed, contact point, just getting mm -hmm. them to unify their ensemble sound. And I talked to them, especially like my freshman group, like, you know, I'll talk to them a lot about the first semester, the first quarter, um, I'm not maybe necessarily teaching them anything new. Like I am, of course, but yeah. in that technique time and with the, with the bow stuff, it's all stuff they know, but they can do it individually, but getting them to get that ensemble sound. And yeah. I think that as a teacher, especially for like the stuff we did for MEA, like the Tchaikovsky, the Aces Death, really as a teacher, I, I have the sound that I want in my head and being able to communicate that to the students when they're playing it and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of really unifying how they use their bow what part of the bow the speed the placement and i always tell them that you know my students all know if they ask what's mr celestia's favorite orchestra it's the cleveland orchestra i grew up in ohio um oh you did in, yeah i grew up in the youngstown area oh so. i forgot I, maybe we had talked about that you know i'm for mentor so okay yeah yeah so we're um, not too far oh yeah, wow so I, I, I guess i missed that yeah and i love i love being in the south yeah. south carolina is great but yeah. uh you know where i was at youngstown i was an hour from the cleveland orchestra hour from mm -hmm. the Pittsburgh symphony a couple hours from columbus so um, you know, in Cleveland, so, you know, their string section yeah. is phenomenal. So and good. It, you know, the, yeah. I always say that it's like, you know, it's kind of like the conductor said, obviously he doesn't have to say this, but like, you're going to be, you know, three quarters of an inch from the tip of the bow. You're going to move your bow 47 and a half miles per hour. It, it's just so unified. And yeah. so, just, um, you know, as a, as a musician, I have a, you know, a sense of what I want a piece to sound like and being able to communicate that 
to my students. So we have all sorts of, you know, I make my students at time, I make all sorts of weird analogies. Like I can tell them the nuts and bolts, use more weight, move the bow faster, get closer to the bridge. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'll also have all sorts of, you know, flowery things. You got to, you know. Yeah, you, you have to, to elaborate and come up with uh, weird things that will hopefully get them to remember, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like yeah. we were in that, in that Hopkins arrangement, there's one part where the, you know, the rest of the orchestra accompanies the first violins have a little melody. And I was like, the first time it's like mezzo forte. And then the second time it's piano and it's in flats. And like, it's gotta be like the special sauce from like, <laughs> you know, but like I would say special sauce and they would do it. Like Boom. they, yeah. they once yeah. they hear it and then they correlate it, you know, so I'm all about, to, yeah, I'm all know. about like finding uh, those, those, I don't know what you call them. Like just keywords or something like that. will just, that save you so much time teaching, but you can, you can shout it out. They know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Or like, like power position. I remember years ago, I went to, um, I think I was in college. So I went to an Astor conference with, um, Charles of Sharian, oh, um, yeah. from Star. Yeah. And yeah. he was just, I, I think it was about the bow. All I remember him is just being up there, you know, beasting on all the major concertos, just brilliant violin playing, but he would talk about that power position, like, you know, tall posture, bow with a frog and just kind of ready to go. So, you know, giving them those catchphrases, like you said, yeah. Yeah, show me your power position. And they kind of boom. Know where yeah. That and, it, and it happens instantly and they never forget it. And that uh, just saves you a lot of time, you know? Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so what else, uh, what else do you have for uh, the future? What are you thinking about or what are some of your goals or aspirations for your program or, um, or professional other professional goals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. so for the program, um, like you said, I, for the session I did at NEA, I also talked about, um, reflecting on your growth and if, or lack thereof, maybe you're going down and like understanding why and how you can, um, solve that. So like for the growth, um, when I started in 2012, we had, um, 54 students, I think in two groups. So it was a smaller program. Yeah. And then at our peak, I think 27, 2018, I had 167, 170 mm -hmm. something. Um, and this year we're sitting right around 125. Yeah. Um, and for us, the big thing, obviously there was COVID, but um, yeah. the biggest concern for us was there was another high school in town. Oh, so, so they so, split you, split you guys right. off. So okay. Well, that's, that's, that's not nothing that you can control. <laughs> right. Exactly. So there was, yeah. um, we have three middle schools that feed me and, when they built the new high school, it's I get 100% of one, then it's about 70, 30, another one, and then about, oh, I only get about 10% of the other one. They live on the islands of the coast. Oh, wow. Um, so that kind of obviously was the big reason for our numbers. But uh, I have a, there's a new young teacher at one of my, my the 100% direct feeder who's killing it. She's, um, you know, yeah, so she's doing an awesome job. So I think I'll probably grow about 30 or 40 next year even. That's fantastic. So, That's a good growth. Yeah, it is. And so I'm yeah. kind of, you know, that's kind of the, for the program, the long, the short term is kind of getting back to those numbers, which will be great. Cause um, you know, my lower class, my youngest class right now, they're split into two and each class is only about 20, which is enough to get stuff done. But yeah. I like, I like the bigger class. I know I it's, it, 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 there's just something about having a, a class with, you know, for me that, that, that sweet spot really is 40. Like I love 40, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, you and uh, or 30, 35, 40, but um, and the, when you have those classes of 20, sometimes, especially if you have a group of really quiet kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. My, my first block is like that sweet kids. They do what I tell them, but it's 90 minutes of just <laughs> sitting. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I'm really animated in the classroom. And they're good. They're not, they're not being disrespectful or anything. They're just, they're just quiet kids. So they sit right. there and they do what they're told and it's, yeah. It yeah. Them. My, my, my first class of the day is that way. And there's 40 in there, but they're all quiet and they're all like. 
I have to uh, check to make sure they have a pulse sometimes just because like, and it's not because they're bad. They're just, they're, they're amazing. They did uh, awesome work, but they're very disciplined and they're, they're just a lot of, a lot of introverts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's right. fun and to I see guess- the, 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 the differences in classes and uh, not just like, you know, classes periods, but like when they, as they come in and graduate and things, it's just, they all have a personality. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I talk a lot about, um, there was a class I had, I think around, it was interesting because I think one of the peaks, are, the peak of our size, at least as a program, mm-hmm. that 27, 2018 year, I had a, I did have a freshman class that you might, you know, you might call them challenging. They were, um, they played really well. Actually, that was the, I think you came and I remember we talked about that. Um, they played really well. Mm-hmm. I had my freshman group right now, they were doing about grade three stuff. Um, that year they were playing solid grade four really wow. well. Yeah. Um, and they were killing it, but they, you know, they were, they were characters to put it lightly. Um, but then the love, <laughs> the thing I love about teaching orchestra though, is that we get them year after year. So by the time they were seniors, like they were, they were great people. They were, you know, a lot better yeah. musicians and like they would, they were the ones who would talk about it. I'd say something about freshman year and they'd be like, Oh, Sylvester, we were bad. I'm like, it wasn't, it wasn't, ple- <laughs> it wasn't pleasing, but then yeah. they came kind of learned what I expected and I wasn't, you know, they kind of, they realized, okay, this is, we want to be successful. We want to do well. Um, and he's not going to give up on that. He's not going to, you know, do whatever. And so you get to see that growth in kids, um, yeah. whether they come in really quiet and they, you know, make that musical growth or they come in like a little bit wild and then they, it's fun. You know, it's yeah, really it's, fun. It's fun. Yeah. My sophomore uh, classes, it was their wild children a little bit, but, and they know it. Um, and it was it was really cool because we just had our like I said a large group performance evaluation and we did our pre LGPE concert um, the week before and um, they fell apart they were they were struggling and they into their music they wouldn't look up they wouldn't watch they wouldn't they weren't listening their ears were closed and so after we listened to the recording and went through the you know the the um, just the having them listen and evaluate they were really embarrassed and. And then all of a sudden I said, you guys know this, but you have to trust in yourselves that you can get your head out of your music, look up and keep your ears open and be alert as you're, as you're playing. And then they, they went last week and they, they came away with, with straight ones. And nice. I was really proud of them, but yeah. it, it takes, sometimes, sometimes it takes a scary uh, moment, that right. scary I'll, moment. I'll never forget one of my first years here. Um, my younger group was taking, we were doing um, Donza and then. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, the ending is all lots of fun. And then we were doing the Isaac Rangeman of Brandenburg two. Um, okay. And they were again, great group, good group of kids. They worked really hard. And then it was the day before CPA. And I think I had, I was covering a class for someone else. I just said, well, just send them to me and they'll like sit in the back and watch. Mm-hmm. And I think it must've spooked them. Maybe there was, you know, friends from a different class and I'll never, this was probably eight, nine years ago. Um, but they were spooked. the same thing. They couldn't even get through it. Like we'd started, I put the metronome on and it was like, it was the last 20 minutes of the day. And it was just falling what's apart. happening. Like, what are, yeah. What's up? I was scared in the warm up <laughs> room. I was like scared to start to see. And they, the same thing, they pulled it together and, did yeah. it, and it was fun. But sometimes it takes that little bit for them to realize, you know, mm-hmm. it's amazing what concentration will do too. like difference between the day to day rehearsal and then the performance or uh, anything like that. It's, it's, it's amazing what kids can do when they really focus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, it sounds like things are going really, really well. And I, I, I wish you the very, very best with your uh, finishing your dissertation. I know it's one of the most challenging things I've had to do. And, um, but it, it, you know, like I said, the rewards will be worth it. And I can't wait to, to, to read it when it's all done and be able to, to you know, see the conclusions that you've, that you've come to. 
So, yeah, well, it's done as well. So, yeah, it's a big process. I've learned a lot, but it'll be nice to be on the back side. Oh, oh my God. I can't imagine with, um, with, you know, your workload. And I know you do play a lot of gigs. I see all, all those things you do. And then having four kids, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's been, I I feel like doing the degree, like it's helped me to, to have a a better home life balance in Mm -hmm. some ways for the school stuff. Like I, I do my best here at Wando every day. And, you know, do I check my email? I have it on my phone. Do I see it when it comes in? Yes. Do I reply to emails at night anymore? No, like it can wait. It can wait till the next day. So I give 110% when I'm at school. And then when I go home, you know, I give 110% to my kids and my wife. And then when they go to bed, then I work on the dissertation. (laughs) So I've had to kind of, you know, compartmentalize a little bit, but I'm, you know, my hope is that it's been kind of a good discipline that way. So that when I'm done, I'll hopefully maintain that balance. And, you know, I used to, before I started this degree, I used to like to read more just for fun. Or, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. There's like things that you have to give up, um, sure. obviously, uh, but that work-life balance is, is important. And I think you're uh, doing the right thing by, um, you know, setting those boundaries because, yeah. you know, if, if I didn't have, you know, my kids and doing and coaching baseball, like I, we, we just started baseball. So I had baseball startup week and LGP the same week. It was, yeah. it was an insane week with tryouts and the draft and all that stuff we had to do. Um, but if I, it, you know, if I didn't have one of those things, there, it'd be amazing. Like, you know, how much you could really get, you could really focus on, on just one, but sure. that work-life balance is, is really important and, and setting boundaries, um, something that everybody needs to do. Yeah. And I know, I know you're the interviewer, but I have a question. How do y'all, um, cause it's just interesting to see how people in different parts of the country do it for your LGPE. When do you do that rep? Is it more like a festival performance where you take stuff from the fall? Cause you guys have three pieces, right? Yeah, we have three pieces. And, um, the way that the way, what I usually do is, um, at the winter concert, we play one. I tried to pick the most challenging one that we were working on longer. Um, ours was earlier than it's ever been, February 7th and 8th. That's so early for us. And so uh, I, I think in all my 28 years of teaching, this is the most stressful year just because it felt I felt the most compressed. Um, so we started, uh, our, we, I did the winter concert a little bit earlier. We did it like the first week of December. So then those last couple of weeks, we started reading the new stuff for LGPE. And then um, when we came back, we're just, we hit it hard. We did a camp on the 20th, uh, all day thing where we did two rounds of uh, rehearsals and we did uh, a sectional, uh, an hour and an hour and 10 minutes of sectional. And then I did, a, I, I had a clinician come out and do a site reading workshop too. So they had a little site reading piece in there and we did pizza and we had a party at the end and everything. So um, kind of an intense thing that we did. Um, then we had our concert the week before and then the event. So um, it, it was very compressed, um, yeah. but um, yeah. So, and it worked out well. I mean, um, that group that I mentioned, you know, they got a superiors, but they were kind of that, that higher end of this or the lower end of the scores, I should say. Yeah. But, um, you know, they pulled it off and, uh, from where they, where they came from, you know, nobody knows when you get, you get scores. I mean, that scores aren't that important, but what we know is where we came from and how we ended up and, and the growth that we've had. And with all my all right. groups, um, it was amazing. I mean, we, we did the first and third movement of the Algar serenade with my top orchestra and the third movement we had, we had done the first movement in the fall, third movement we started working on and it took him a while. And like a few weeks before that concert, I, I had to have like a meeting where like, guys, this is not even close. Like we're just like scratching the surface of these notes. Like this is Algar. We got to dig deep here. Right. And so um, that really kicked him into gear and, and then they, they pulled it off, you know? Yeah. 
But when it's important, to not to, I know we're wrapping up, but kind of um, in my presentation, I talked about the the competence too, where I know we're all in like, you know, myself, we all want to get the superior and like, you know, I'd be, we'd be lying to ourselves if we told us we wouldn't be disappointed if we didn't. But I think it's an, it is important that you said the growth, like in my, my freshman group last year, I did get uh, that was my first excellent. I've gotten it with that group um, since I've been teaching, but same thing. They were right on the edge, you know, the mm -hmm. highest excellence, but for that group, I made a point to them at the end of the year, we did this uh, Susan day piece in the fall, lots of C sharps, you know, yeah. and it was, it was quite concert. Yeah, it was, it was tricky. But then in the spring they did, I think it was an Adele something. I'm not sure it was a pop mm -hmm. tune they wanted to do yeah. and they killed it. They did great. So I made sure at the end in May, when we were watching the concert, we played the Susan Day for them. And we all kind of cringed a little bit as we watched it. But then I played right back to them their spring concert, and they could hear the difference. So I think that was so big for them. It's not that, okay, that was bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. It got better. But they could see that, okay, throughout this year, all the stuff that Sylvester makes us do in the book and the, boom, you know, and yeah. all that, you know, that when he gets real intense about this, it, they can see the fruits of the labor, which I think is really important for the kids to see that payoff. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a score or a competition, but just right. for them to recognize their, their yeah. growth. And I think that that's a huge part of that, that uh, retention piece that you had mentioned, you know, is that feeling of accomplishment and that they're going somewhere, you know, because right. um, that's what keeps kids in is, is that those feel good moments. And um, yeah, that's awesome. So, well, Ryan, uh, been awesome to, to chat with you. Uh, I, will you be at ASTA this year? I won't make it this okay. year. I was there last yeah. year. So just schedule wise, it didn't. No, it's it it's, make it happen, it's always challenging. So, well, maybe I'll get to see you some other time. Um, but um, I appreciate you being a guest. Uh, it was great to get to chat. And everybody, I will put um, Ryan's contact information in the podcast description. So, if you want to reach out to him for you know presentations or guest conducting or just to ask him about his uh, his research, uh, he'll be able to to help you out when he has time. Of course, put your email on the back burner. But <laughs> uh, but again, thanks so much for being uh, for being here. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody, that uh, will do it for this episode of the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Charles Laux signing out. Thank you for tuning in. For resources and more information about the Orchestra Teacher website, podcast, and YouTube channel, visit www.orchestrateacher.net.